Welcome to Real Men Feel. I'm your host, coach and healer, Andy Grant. Thank you for joining us today as we once again step into trauma so that it can be healed and transcended to create a life worth living as opposed to a life worth dreading. If you are ready to change your story and embrace yourself, let's have a live one-on-one conversation. Visit theandygrant.com slash talk. Once again, that is theandygrant.com slash talk because you are worthy. My guest today is Nathaniel Brown. Nathaniel is a coach, author, and speaker who, like me, is also a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. Nathaniel talks about being molested and the 30-year impact that had on his life. We discuss the dangers and lure of trauma bonding. Nathaniel shares that the roots of blackmail silence around trauma goes back to slavery. We also talk about inner child work and the value and questioning everything you believe. Let's do it. Hello, Nathaniel, and welcome to Real Men Feel. Oh, man. Thank you so much, Andy. I'm really glad to be here. And uh, this is going to be an exciting time, excited for what our conversation is going to evolve into and become and how the audience is going to be able to get some impact from it as well. Impact, I have no doubt of. Every time we interact, we've I found out that we have more and more in common. We, we even same this. We have the same birthday. Same birthday, man. Yeah. I was crazy. Like I, I was like, wait a minute. It's Andy's birthday today. That's crazy. It's, I, I don't know a lot of people. I probably have met two people in my life, you included, that have the same birthday as, as me that I've interacted with. Maybe three. It was one guy in high school, one guy I ended up working with at a warehouse job who he ended up like, we just kind of in conversation, joking on one another, talking about our birthday. And then you, I find out on LinkedIn when I get a birthday uh, notice, I'm like, wait a minute, Andy, that's really cool. I, I love it. Yeah. And we also have, uh, as we'll discover through the show, a lot more things in common. Well, uh, some shared childhood experiences, past uh, issues, traumas, all the uh, the spice of life, yeah. <laughs> to yeah. put it a positive spin yeah. as I can. <laughs> so you call yourself a perspective coach. Yeah. Have you always had a great outlook on life or is your own perspective something that you really had to cultivate? It's both. I've always thought about things differently. I think the cultivation of it happened later in life. But as a child, I always thought of the world differently. Like I question things that most people would just be okay with. And a lot of things, even growing up in church, a lot of things didn't make sense to me. Like, how do you get three days and three nights from Friday to Sunday? Like, how does that make sense? Like, that doesn't, that doesn't even add up. Like, wait a minute, that's not even two and a half days. Like, so I, as, and I'm 11 or 12. So I always had this, like this thirst for understanding more, like instead of going out to play, I'd rather read a book. Like my world was different as a child. I was, I was always, you know, heavily into that introversion and now growing into my perspective, I think I had to grow into it and really allow for other perspectives to sit in the room with mine and be able to offer what I have and not make anything else invalid. 
So it wasn't really just this rebellious kid. It was really a, a quest for knowledge. You just wanted to understand things more. I just wanted to understand. And I questioned a lot of things. And it probably got on people's nerves, just like my six-year-old gets on my nerves. And he's like, well, how, why is that? Uh, and how come this? And what is that supposed to mean? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is me. And I'm, a, I'm so, I get so irritated. And it's like, okay, this is me. I know what this is. This is who he is because this is, this is who, who I am. It's an amazing journey because you lean into more curiosity than you do just like I heard a quote on a podcast and he says, the guy says, if you're, if your thou shouts outweigh your what ifs, your theological compass is all fucked up. Hmm. And I was like, oh, that is my life. It's like, I used to be in the, the thou shout and then this what if would happen. And I had to lean into the what if because it was louder than the thou shouts. And I really had to be okay with what if, what if I don't know? What if it's not true? What if everything I believe was complete BS? Yeah. And that's a great, like, another thing we find in common. Like, that, when I finally got to that place, like, can I be willing to be wrong about everything? Because my perspective sucked. Like, I, I thought life sucks, then you die. You know, I thought I was better off dead, and I believed it. I thought I was broken and full of flaws, and I was just this, I was this mistake that happened to be somehow managed to become alive. Wow. So as I realized that I could be wrong and that being wrong helped me yeah. and gave me a much better perspective. I had this closed, just in such a negative view on everything. So yeah, yeah I, I mean, I love that. I, 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 I still, I still like, I love to be wrong. Oh, good. Yeah. I've been yeah. wrong about all that crap. I was worried about good. Cool. Let, let it go. I literally shelved. Like I had this moment of clarity and I had been like heavy into biblical studies. Like I was teaching Bible studies and I was sort of like still studying my esoteric things and out on the fringe stuff. And I was peppering those things into my religious studies or whatever. And it was expanding my knowledge and expanding my ability to communicate across different sects of belief systems. But like it happened one day when I was like, I was heavy into studying the feast and having my family celebrate these feast days and the Bible and stuff like that. But I found myself fighting for it. And I was like, if it's true, then what am I fighting about? Like the truth settles itself and then you settle into it. There's nothing to fight about. And one day I'm, I'm eating dinner on my couch and this voice inside of me says, what if everything you believe is complete bullshit? I did not think this up. It happened on its own. And I looked because I thought somebody was behind me because it was so like loud in me. I turned around. It's, it's just me downstairs in the house. And this happened, what, five, six years ago. And I was like, huh? And I had to scratch my head like, what if this is all nonsense? And I leaned into it. I took everything I believed and I literally mentally, I took out a mason jar and I mentally put all of my belief systems in mason jars and locked them up. And I visualized me shelving them. I put them on shelves and I said, okay, let's see how deep the rabbit hole goes. It was two o'clock in the morning one morning and I sat on the side of my bed. I said, okay, universe. Teach me how deep the rabbit hole goes. And you want to talk about an undoing of everything I thought was absolute truth without detachment to any. It unraveled my entire world. And I'm on the journey of weaving the tapestry much more fuller. It's almost like 
it's like working out. You stress the muscle fibers in a way so that they get stretched beyond their limit and then they reforge back together again, much stronger than they were before. So like this journey is just like this stretching and then a coming together. It's this expansion and contraction as flexion and all these things happen. And then you build yourself into this being, the universe, the creator, and you start building this being that becomes you as an expression of the cosmological understanding of how life works. And that's the journey that I'm on. And it's beautiful. Cool. So obviously your curiosity has not waned as you've grown. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's actually expanded. You're right. Yeah. And I love how you phrase it that it really is all a co-creation. It is. And that's what that like I, I used to think life I used to think things happened to me, but no, they I I or at least I can make things happen. You can because yeah. it's happening for you and it's also happening from you. Like everything we're experiencing is an ask from us for us to become who we are to become. And like when that, like I was doing some work, I do a little bit of IT work and I was updating a point of sale system. And at the end of this update, this quote sort of shows up on the screen and I screenshotted this quote because it was like, huh, what in the world is this? But the quote says, and like it was at the end of the update, it says, when you get what you get by achieving your goals is not as important as who you become by achieving your goals. That's Zig Ziglar. This quote showed up on the screen. So the whole journey was about becoming. And it was like a reminder that says, you know, it's not about the doing of everything solely. It's that life is happening for and from you. And there's this cycle of some traumatic experiences and some healing experiences that are necessary for you to be who you are to become so that you can teach others the way. Like you said, you said that they're necessary. Because so trauma seems so common. Do you think that you can, is it possible to grow up to, to have a childhood in the current day and, and not have trauma to some degree? Absolutely not, because nothing grows without it. Um, it's like trauma is, I call it the plot twist. There's no real story without a plot, right? So like most of us call trauma, like it's the place where most of us stop breathing. We stop living. We, we, we get our breath taken away and we're unable to receive breath to be resuscitated, to move past the point of trauma. So like no one is there to pick us up and say, hey, hey, you don't have to stay here, stay here that long. Uh, you can move past this and I'll show you how. What happens is we have the traumatic experience. We form the story around the traumatic experience. Then that becomes the worldview that we start to see things as. And then we start living out the story from the trauma, not beyond it. So the entirety of our lives becomes trauma-based. So our relationships become trauma-based and we call it trauma bonding, right? So we start bonding to things from the traumatic experience because we've never grown past it. And trauma is necessary to teach a lesson because Teal Swan said something very powerful. She says, the things that came to bring you pain are necessary because you need to learn from them and you are here to take those things and teach others how to learn from them. You're, the wounds that you experience are for you to teach people how to move past their wounds. They're for you. They're, they're, they're for you. They're not against you. And there's no need to resist where resistance is unnecessary. So let's dive into your trauma because I'm interested if you were this welcoming of it, you know, because it's, it's for our benefit. We can learn from it. But certainly in the moment, it, it's not a pleasant. Like oh, no. I, I didn't see the, the positive in the moment. Me either. Yeah. All right. So what, what was your experience? What, what was, what was the, your, 
your most life impacting trauma growing up? The most life impacting trauma happened when I was about eight years old. I um, was hanging out with family members and uh, later that evening as the night progressed, um, I ended up in a sexual encounter with a family member. And the thing about sexual abuse in that way for children is that there's not enough world experience to create a proper meaning of it. So you almost get locked into this eight-year-old emotional self that's just stagnant. It doesn't grow past that because there's nothing to pull from to say, hey, no, this didn't mean you don't have enough meaning in life to actually define it. So it was like I'm emotionally unlocked in a space where I'm not mature enough to handle. I'm not mature enough to handle a sexual encounter. That's a, an emotional exchange, whether people want to say it's just physical for men. And just, no, no, it's emotional for both parties. You, you scratch that nonsense. Both people are feeling something there. And there was a feeling of value. Even at eight, there was a feeling of value there that someone wanted me. And then when the deed was over with, it was like, oh, no, 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 we, we, we can't talk about this. This is a hush hush. Don't tell anybody. And if you try to say anything to anyone, I would just deny it ever happened. And I was like, oh, this had nothing to do with what I thought it did, because here I am. I don't understand life enough to, to, to really navigate this properly. And it felt like I had just been thrown away. And from eight years old is when I started closing myself off to the world. I really became a recluse and I stopped trusting people. I did not talk to many people and I started developing really internal anger issues. Like I would start visualizing things at eight and nine years old, violent thoughts. And right about the teenage years is where like, well, before 10, about 10 or 11 years old, I was getting kicked out of class in elementary school because I had a bad temper. That's unheard of for the most part back in the eighties. Right. Then coming into my teenage years, I'm quiet, but I'm, I'm a short fuse going into my young adult life, quiet, but a short fuse. So like this thing kept happening. And then all along, I'm having these PTSD symptoms, night terrors. And like, I mean, like I'm waking up in the middle of the night, screaming at the top of my lungs, like uh, at least five nights out the week for 30 years, Andy, from the time I was eight until the time I was about 37, I had night terrors at least five times out the week. And like, I was afraid to go to sleep. It put that much, I was afraid to rest because I was in fear of what would happen when I closed my eyes. And I knew that something had to happen probably back in 2016-ish because I had, I had just been like, my worldview was like, it was me against the world. Even with all the things that I had been studying, it, it was still this internal thing. Like, I, you know, I, I got to do me. I got to, you know, it's just me against the world because nobody, no one is for me, but me. Mm -hmm. And that almost shut down everything for me. Everything almost got lost. Everything, my marriage, everything suffered from it. And I had to go and get help. And when I went to get help, the root of all of it was the situation that I had not dealt with. Did you have a conscious memory of the molestation all those years? I did. You did? I did. Oh. I did. It was there. I never forgot it. Did you ever share with anybody until you finally? No, no. I kept, I had vowed that I would keep it and I would never share it again with, or share it with anyone. And I had vowed that I would go to my grave with it, my grave with it, because the last person I wanted to know about it was my mother, because I, I had the feeling that she would be devastated that something like this had happened to her son that she had not been able to protect me from. And at 38 years old, 
sitting on my couch two years ago, I laid in my mother's lap and cried like an eight-year-old boy, sharing with her the pain of what I had carried for 30 years. And how, how was that received by her? Did it, did it match your fears or did something else happen? It didn't even match the fears. The story I had told myself was completely based on the wall I had built. I told myself a story to think, thinking I was protecting others when it was all self-preservation. Trauma-based stories are stories based in self-preservation. They're not protecting anybody else. They're just to protect you. And men walk around with these stories every day, and there isn't a outlet for these stories to come to fruition, to come out in the open, to be talked about, so that they can be asked questions as to how they feel about it. So it was like, well, yeah, you, you went through something, but get over it. No, 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 no. This is a traumatic experience that happened to a child, not to the man. It happened to the child. And when a man is walking around with a damaged child emotional self inside of him or separate from him, there is a fraction of the person that's standing there. They're, they're not fully integrated. And something has to be there to have that integration process happen. Yeah, I hate that whole get over it. So so. I was molested by a neighbor on more than one occasion when I was like five years old. Wow. And he had two young daughters that were friends that we played together and he wow. would have us do things to each other and then things to and with him. Yeah. And I did not have conscious memory of this until I was like 20 years old. Yeah. And, and then I thought, well, get over it. Oh, like, I thought, well now, all right, now I remember, I remember the root. I remember the cause of all yeah. my, my shutting down and, yep. and anger issues and thinking, you know, from that really early age, I decided life was not safe. I could not trust men. I could not trust adults. Nobody's on my side. Everything that you're saying. Mm -hmm. But so when I finally, all right, I, I know what it was. So get over it. And I, it didn't. It didn't just happen. I really thought, aha, this memory makes sense. Now I will live normally, whatever that means. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I wasted a decade trying to do that, that macho bullshit of like, yeah, all right, I know what it is. It was just a thing. It happened in the past. Wow, well, it has no effect in me now. Right. Yeah. But it has a tremendous effect. Tremendous effect. And if and if the inner work doesn't happen for integration, I love the word integration because it's the root word, the Greek word integer. It means to be whole. It means to be one piece. And it's a mathematical term for whole numbers. And if the inner work isn't done and the process isn't started for full integration, the child, wherever that trauma happened, there's no maturity that will be brought about from there. There's no maturity, maturing of that inner child, whatever that is, that inner person, that inner being that was traumatized, that you've locked away, that you don't want anybody to know about. And it's funny because like when I was angry and lashing out and, you know, slamming doors and punching walls and all this other stuff, my wife was like, you're acting like a child. And then I would get even more upset. Like I'm a grown man. Like, and then I'm like, wait a minute. She's right. This is the temper tantrum. And there's a child on here that has not been dealt with and hasn't been nurtured properly. So I just went on through life on my own with an emotional eight-year-old self in a grown man's body. And it wasn't until probably the uh, late, well, no, mid-2019 when things really shifted for me, integration-wise. Mindset-wise, I had shifted years ago. Like, okay, I know how to get my mindset right. But see, the key to all this personal development is that once you change the mindset, it prepares you to do the deep work. People think that the mindset change is the deep work. 
That's not the deep work. That's the introduction to what needs to happen. You have to get your mind set shifted so that you're willing to do the deep work. Once you get that shifted up, I'm like, okay, let me get this whole brain mind thing shifted up. Let me get my, my hippocampus in, in place and let me get all the limbic system, you know, okay, like, I, I'm good now. Now that you've bypassed the limbic system, you can get into the deep, deep seated issues. And that's what happened. It took me years preparing my mindset and listening to personal development and going to conferences and all this other stuff. It's like, oh, okay, I get it now. And then oh, this is what it was all for. Yeah. So I'm sitting in my my recliner and I'm having this deep experience of integration. Yeah, I find it when it's just in the mind, when it's just information, we know about something. Absolutely. When we take the action, do the deep work, go go deeper, do things, be things, that's when we truly know it. You start to get into knowing and knowing is important because I think as Mark Twain, he says, it's not what you know, what you, what you don't know that gets you in trouble. It's what you know for sure that isn't so. And I knew for sure for so long that things were the way they were, but they were not so. And that's the controlling narrative. It's, it's being willing, as Jordan Peterson says, to make friends with what you don't know. Yeah, because there's always more. Like if, of course if, there is. If someone, I know everything there is to know, well, then really, what's the point of the next day for you? There's no reason to live. Yeah. Winnie the Pooh says, it says to Piglet, Piglet he says, Piglet, what, what day is it? And Piglet says, today. He said, oh, that's my favorite day. Like, <laughs> Winnie is deep, man. He was dropping bombs back yeah. in the day. And it's like, yeah, now is the favorite time. When Now is the best time to get anything done. And that's all you actually ever have. Yeah. Then doesn't exist. Now is all you have. Yeah. You shared that you did not share your trauma. You did not share your molestation with anyone because of concerns of how your mom would be impacted by it. I was afraid of how my family would be looked at. I didn't want my family to look, be looked down on because of this thing happening. And this happens in, in the melanated community. The, the black community is like, you don't talk about things that are connected to mental health and uh, traumatic experiences. You don't talk about it, especially among the men. You shut up. Yeah. Uh, no, no, that's not a conversation. So, so why is that? What, what are we being taught that makes that so? What makes that wall? That wall is based on an ideology of manhood in the black community because of how it was broken down in slavery. So in slavery, it had something called buck breaking where the slave master would rape the alpha male among the community in front of the women and children, or the slave master would also like beat and bullwhip and rip the male, the man apart in front of them, creating a traumatic experience saying, if you over, if you overstep, if you try to stand up for yourself, if you try to, you know, be vulnerable, all those things, if you try to do any of the things that make you a man of leadership among these people, you will be dealt with harshly. So like we had to toughen up like, no, no, no. The way to be a man is that you don't apologize for anything. You don't say, I'm sorry. No, no, nothing is really, if it's everybody else's fault, like it's this blame casting system that happens because well, I'm this way because so-and-so, or I'm this way because so-and-so. It's no real responsibility. You don't get to feel, huh? Emotions are out the door. You know, you don't cry, especially as a young black man, you know, no, nah, stop all that crying. No crying. But these are tears and these are mine and these are my emotions and I'm expressing and this is humanity, but I don't get to be human. I have to be robotic because slavery taught me to. Absolutely not. And it's what happens. We've bought into a narrative of being a man based on a slave master's model. So you're always still enslaved to the trauma, always. And you're either a slave, a tyrant, 
or you can negotiate. That's the way Jordan Peterson puts it. I call it, you're a victim, an overcomer, or a master. What helped you overcome? It was the integration that happened. So a couple years ago, I got online and I, I, I was sitting in my recliner. I was finishing up some uh, personal training stuff that I was doing, studying for my personal training certification. And I was sitting in my recliner and uh, this infomercial thing came up on YouTube. I was looking for a YouTube video and I uh, just kind of, kind of clear my mind. And this little infomercial thing came up and it was like this lady talking about deep seated. I'm not enough in meditation type stuff. And I was like, well, it's 30 minutes. I'll, I'll take it 30 minutes and just look at it. And I clicked on, you know, the view now button, uh, whatever that thing was on, on YouTube. And it took me to this little thing, this little funnel thing. And I clicked on the video and this lady is talking about, I'm not, he said, I'm going to lead you into this process. So the moment I clicked launch the video, I felt this heat start to awaken in my heart. It started in my solar plexus and then it went into my heart and I started to expand across my chest. And then I felt it going up into my throat. It, like just heat just started expanding in my body and then tears started to well up in my eyes. It's like, what is this? What have I got myself into? And I knew it was something that was summoning me into an experience. I didn't know I was ready for, but it was time. So I said, fine, let's do it. I'm, I, this is obviously calling me. So I closed my eyes, Andy. And the moment I closed my eyes, a spiral stairway appeared and I started walking down the stairway. And at the bottom of the stairway was a door and I opened the door. And when I opened the door, I walked out of the door and I'm standing in front of my house in the 1980s on the street corner. I'm looking at my house and I'm like, okay, I'm here. I may as well go in. I go in my house. It's completely abandoned. There's nothing in there's not, not, not even any furniture in it. There's no one there. And I go to my bedroom where I used to sleep. And there's this little boy sitting on the side of the bed on a rusty box spring. There's no mattress. And he's got his face in his palms. And he has shut himself off from the world in an abandoned space. And I go up to the child. I'm like, hey, man, what are you doing in here? And he looks up at me and it's me. It's me looking at my eight-year-old self sitting in that room. And I'm like, this is weird. But I'm talking to myself and I'm gaining my own trust. I'm getting the child to trust me again. And I'm, I'm talking, it's like, look, I love you. I want you to know that everything is going to be okay. Like I am talking to this child like I am a nurturing father. And eventually he looks up at me. And he places his hands in mine and I, I start to walk towards the front door and we walk out the house back into the street. And I told him, I said, I am promising you, you are never coming back here again. And we both look at each other. And when I said those words, the door appeared in the street. I walked through the door, the stairwell, stairwell appeared again, and it's spiraling upwards now. There's nowhere, to, nowhere else to go down. It can only go up. So I start going back up the stairs. I go back up the stairs and I am in my house now. We just built this home about two and a half years ago. I'm in my house now at the, the opening of the driveway. And we're looking at the front of the house. And I'm telling him, this is home now. This is where you belong. And mentally, virtually, like, you know, like 
you know, with no time, I'm walking him through all of the rooms from the driveway because there's no space and time in this experience. I'm walking him through all of the places in the house. This is the playroom. This is where we watch TV. This is our refrigerator. There's plenty of food. There's plenty to eat. This is where I hang out and do some of my voiceovers. I introduce him to my son. This is, this is my son, David. This is all his toys. I introduce him to my older son, Jeremiah. This is his room. This is where he sleeps. And I said, you're welcome here. And we come back out connect with ourselves basically at the top of the driveway. And I look at the child and the child looks at me and he walks inside of me. And this full, like, it was like this light body came back into place. And I took this deep breath and I just emotionally just lost it because I was so grateful for that experience. Well, like I didn't really know where to put it, but I knew it. I knew it was real. And fast forward, Six months later, I was, we were having some couple time with a couple of, with a, another married couple that we're really good friends with. And me and my wife are going through some hard issues with communication because I'm not a proactive communicator. I just, I suck at it. You know, I'm such an introvert that I'd rather be in a hole than just be out talking. And we were talking through some things and I was expressing myself in a way that the gentleman uh, who was the, the husband in the, in, the, in, the, in the couple, he looked at me, he said, um, he said, look, I'm just going to say this. He said, it's like talking to you now. It's like you've grown up into an adolescent, like a young teenager. And I'm thinking, you don't know what this means. This means integration. When you do this deep work, maturity happens quickly. Because just six months ago, my emotional self was eight years old. What you're telling me is I'm at the expression of a mature teenager in six months, that means there's been an expansion that's happened and the integration has taken root. The seed has truly taken root. So I said all that to say, like when you do that deep work and full integration happens, rapid change and rapid transformation starts to come to play. Yeah, I've had similar experiences when I first discovered energy work. Like, what is this? How, I've, how I've not heard of this. And anytime I've done any inner child work or guided clients through it, it's so powerful, potent, and real. And healing is easier. Healing wants to happen. Yeah. It's draining for us to keep st- being in victimhood and blame. That drains us it and is. tires us down, right? Yes, it does. Like yeah. you, you can't sustain victimhood. It will drain you of everything. You will start to find, because victimhood leaves puts you in a state of unforgiveness. And unforgiveness lodges itself in your joints. It's an energy that lodges itself in the joints of your body. It creates friction where movement should be fluid. It creates like stagnation. It creates inflammation. All those things in your knees and your elbows and your joints and your shoulders, all the pain, not being able to move properly. You probably have some stubbornness towards some unforgiveness and people who hold on to things who like being the victim for a long time. It's more trauma bonding. You've become so adept at talking out of trauma that you don't know you're in it. And it's become a part of you and you won't leave it because you have become dependent on it. It's like a nipple. You you haven't weaned yourself off the nipple of trauma and you'd rather taste that milk than freedom. Yeah. It's the the cliche of misery loves company. Like our negativity wants other negativity or Eckhart Tolle talks about the pain body. If we were attracted to someone's pain body because it talks to ours. Yeah. It's an easy yet horrible way to live. It is. It doesn't require any work. You know, the easiest way for men to live is unemotional. It's without emotional expression because you can settle into a narrative that's already playing out for you. Uh, Just fit in this box and you're good. But the deep work, 
And even the Bucks, like the Bucks and wanting to fit in, all, all this does is prove like men are ruled by fear so much more than we, we would ever admit or acknowledge. Yep. But fear of judgment, fear of percent, you know, fear, 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 fear. But if, are you afraid? No, I'm not afraid of anything. We lie to ourselves so yeah. viciously. Oh my gosh, such big liars. And that's what happens. It, it, it has made men liars emotionally because we haven't been willing, we haven't been taught. I can't even say we're, we're unwilling. We haven't been taught that, the, that this path is okay. It's okay to express pain and talk about it so you can heal from it. So you can bring that conversation to someone else and teach them how to heal from it as well. But we can't heal anywhere if we're unwilling to do the work and we're not taught that it's okay to do this work. Yeah. So in case anyone hasn't figured it out thus far, it's okay to do the work. It's okay to feel, yeah, right? Exactly. I we, mean, you can, it's very, perhaps somewhere, it's very difficult to be a human being and get through any aspect of life without being traumatized by something. Absolutely. You and have something I have seen in talking with clients and talking with guests. It's different for African-American men. It, mm-hmm. they, I always knew there was this strictness. They were, it's even more emphasis to be stoic, to just shut yep. up, to keep yep. up that act. Yep. And you are the first person I've talked to that put that into terms of being rooted in slavery. Yeah. So I really appreciate that. That was like, that was mind blowing for me. Like, oh my God, it's like, it's, it's so obvious and logical, but I never heard that spoken that way. Because we don't realize how trauma sets in the DNA. Like DNA is memory. Yeah. Like scientists have even proven it, that they've downloaded mil- billion. I think they, they downloaded a, a book on biology on one gram of DNA over 70 billion times on a gram. So like breaking information down into binary units, ones and zeros, you can put information into DNA and it will carry it and it will not just hold it. It will emit that information back into the field. And what's been put there genetically, because genes get passed down, we are all we are a conglomerate of genetic information from hundreds of thousands of years ago. We're not isolated events. We're a continuation of an infinite process of the creator becoming man and man becoming one with creator. This is, this is a symbiotic relationship with the universe as we clear cycles of traumatic experiences out of our being. And we don't get to say no to the process because the next generation is going to promote what we are unwilling to deal with. Some people will look at personal growth of healing work as, as selfish, but no, you owe it. Like we all have the chance to stop this here and not keep passing on pain and trauma. Thank you. You have to come to the point, men especially, but humanity as a whole, we have to come to a place where we say the buck stops here. Like I came to that point. I said, this will not continue beyond me. This is where I stop it. That's the moment where you have to really dig your heels in you know, get your know, strap on your big boy pants and, and because it's going to take some tears. You're going to cry some rivers. You're going to shed some old personalities. You're going to shed some old paradigms. You're going to have to jar everything you believed about masculinity, God, the universe. Everything is going to have to be shelved for a season and let it ferment. Right. So let it sit there and, and rot if it needs to let it go away. Be willing to let go of everything you thought you knew for sure to gain more of you in the process. Yeah, because what I, I find over and over, any sort of healing work, any sort of letting go, all this sort of things we're, we're kind of high level talking about, mm-hmm. I can't rid myself of 
my true essence. I can't rid myself of my goodness, my joy. I can only clear myself of the crap that's in the way of that. That's it. That's it. It's like the whole thing is to distill you down into the essence of you. It's the distillation process. That's what the journey is all about. It's to yeah. distill you down to the essence of who you are so you can help someone else through that distillation process. And no matter what you think, no matter what you, our own judgments of our essence and in our essence, we're good. Yeah. Yeah. The core cryon. I don't know if you ever listened to this channeled work by this guy. His I forgot his name, but Greg Braden frequents conferences with this uh, this guy who channels this entity named Cryon. And Cryon says, "What if the love of God is the core of you? What if we all believe that the love of Creator is the core of who you are? That's that's you distilled." And it's true. like that. That's the force. That's, that's magic. That's, that's light. It. All these things we talk about. Everything. Yeah. That's the, that's everything. The essence of the matrix, the energy field, the force, like you said. I mean, these guys studied most of these these uh, energy modalities and all this uh, ancient understanding and civilizations and stuff. So they know what's going on, but they put it in entertainment form so that either we'll get it, the awakened will get it or the ones who are asleep will miss it. But yes, you're right. It's all the same thing. It's Maya. It's Prana. It's all of it. It's a part of the process. And it's all there as filtration devices to yeah. distill you down into the love of creator. Yeah. And the love of self. Yes. Again, this is, this is a co-creation experience. It is. You have to be a part of it. You have to be willing to be in it with the process. You are with, you are co-creating. You are with the creation of it. I love it. You don't get to abbreviate this process. No, no. Talk about, you know, ending the lineage of pain, you know, from a really young age, I knew this stops with me. I think the buck stops here, but I had my distorted way. I was like, this stops now because I'll kill myself. I'm not going to pass this on. So, you know, if anyone's feeling just, you can heal, right? Heal and pass on the good, not just like really end everything in a harsh, you know, detrimental way. So I I just, I wanted to share that. Yeah, that's good. Because right when COVID hit is when I started I had my first encounter with a suicidal client. And when she called me, she was ready to end it all that day. Like her face was white. She had no blood flow. It looks like she was, she had, she looked like a corpse. And it was like, at the time I was understanding what it means to inspire because that word means to breathe back into. And I'm thinking, man, how did this happen? Like what happened? And I'm, I immediately go into the story. Like, what is the story behind this? Cause no one just comes to that point to say, I'm ending it all. They're trying to undo something. They're trying to stop something because they don't have the tools to move beyond it. And I'm listening to her narrative and, and like, what, an hour and a half of conversation. I'll let her talk for a seat, a spell, and then I'll interject something. And it, it causes the pause. And the more pauses I was able to cause, the more her face color changed. Like, it was like, this is resuscitation. You're breathing oxygen back into the corpse. And the longer you keep doing that, it creates oxygen flow and blood flow. And you're doing CPR and it takes work. And it takes effort and you have to be in it. But when you do it long enough with the intention of bringing someone back to life, not to leave them at the point of resuscitation, because if you resuscitate somebody and you leave them there, the chances are they'll repeat the cycle again. But if you resuscitate them and teach them that, hey, get up from this space now that you've got your breath back and let's move beyond it. That's what I mean by inspire beyond. It's breathing life back into people and then pushing them past the limit that got them 
them out of breath in the first place. So when I was able to encounter this woman and, and over a year now that I've been kind of working with her and she is like now working on starting a business and she's now got a career that she's doing. I, I, I talked to her on Zoom and she, I look at her and she's got this big, beautiful smile on her face. Like life is becoming more about stopping pain and more about bringing healing to others. And she has now learned that there's more to give in life than it is to receive in death. Yeah. Everything's cyclical. Everything is both. You can't just give, you can't just receive. But once you start doing, once you start giving, it just comes back. It comes back. It becomes that cycle, man. It's the reciprocity cycle. You know, we want things in ventricles. I like to call these the bellies of want. And we want things in ventricles. We want what we already have. We want what we have not given. And we want what we've damaged. And in these three ventricles, we have to figure out, okay, so what do I have? What haven't I given? And what have I damaged? And wherever we find ourselves, if we can answer those questions honestly, we'll start to see, okay, I'm responsible here for why I am where I am. No one else. I'm here and it's me in the thing. It's the abandoned child in the room in the abandoned house. And the child has decided to stay there because it was safer than dealing with the world. That's still my responsibility. I had to go. I had to go and deal with that. No one else came in the house when I was in that experience. No other entities, no other people, no other faces. It was me in the house with nothing else to rely on except me loving me. And the ability to heal is in all of us and the ability and the desire to love ourselves is in all of us. Yes. Yes. And it's, and, and it's that's okay. something that just men are not told. No, they're not to, <laughs> if they even exhibit a form of self-love, it's either titled as narcissism quickly by women who think that they deserve more than they should be getting for the most part. Or it's determined uh, egotistical. Oh, you're you're just or self-absorbed. You're so self-absorbed. I know. I just I kind of know who I am, and I know what I want in life, and 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 I'm going after it. It doesn't make me self-absorbed, but I, but I am aware of myself. I'm not unaware, and and I'm okay with someone you know labeling me a certain way if that's the way they see me. But I also know that a lot of times when people label you, they're labeling themselves, but they're projecting their labels onto you. So it's okay. I'll let that be. If it doesn't find common ground in me, I don't have to defend myself against it. I like I'm, I become like Teflon and it's water off a duck's back. Yeah. I don't, I don't let it settle. <laughs> cool. So I know you're, you know, you're creative, you're curious, you're inspiring. And I know that you're working on your own podcast. So tell me a little bit about what's coming with that. So that's going up. That's coming. I'll probably dropping the first episode in about a week and a week or so. I just finished up producing the intro, but it's called Inspire Beyond. Inspire is an acronym for initiating noble solutions that produce innovative results through engagement. So like I, I use that as an acronym and say, okay, so what's the noble result that I want to create? What's the noble solution I want to bring to the table? So like, cause I'm, I'm a, I'm a solution based conversationalist. Like I'm good with hearing all the emotional stuff, especially like my wife hates this about me. Like I, she will want to tell me all the stuff. I'm like, I'll say, what's the solution? Like what's, what's let's, let's get down to the nitty gritty. And then I had to, of course I had to realize some other things about how women communicate because their power is in formulating the equation before the solution is brought. So they can take items and variables and then they create the equation. So you got to sit through the creation of the equation first before we can solve the problem. I'm okay with that for the most part now. It's still a struggle because I get irritated. It's just, it's not fun. But however, 
I want that podcast to be about stories, about people who come back from traumatic experiences, come back from setbacks, and they know that there's a life worth living beyond those spaces. And that's why it's called uh, Inspire Beyond. I want to get you to the point of resuscitation, and then I want to teach you how not to stay there. So I'm going into all of it. I'm going into, I don't care if it's spirituality. I'm going, I I want everybody on it. If you're a channeler, I don't care what star seed you represent. I I want it all. I want energy healers. I want people who have stories to tell because I want engagement. I, I want that language barrier to be broken down. I want that religious barrier to be broken down. I want the paradigm barriers to be broken down so that questions that people are asking that they're afraid to ask get answered through the experiences of others on the podcast. I would say, yeah, trust experience. And until you've had your experience, like the experience of others, and wake up that curiosity so that you take action. And like, oh, I want to, will my experience be like his? Let me me find out. Absolutely. And like, I'm doing this. It's a work to do this. Like when I say I'm an introvert, like I'm an introvert. Like I would rather be upstairs in this room with my books than interacting with people. I don't get my energy from interacting with people. I get my buildup of energy with myself. That's what introversing means. It just basically means I empower myself by my on my own time when I have time to retreat. But I'm having to learn. The podcast is an initiation for me. It's an initiative. It's initiating for me to do this podcast. I'm not trying to promote myself as this like positive life coach and I'm doing all these things. I'm not Tony Robbins. I sit in a hole and in order for me to impact people, I have to be willing to come out of it. That's the podcast is the side of me that I want to continue to develop. It's a part of the journey. Nobody's going to hear. It's not the finished work here. So I want everybody to understand that it's okay to be doing the work and not be completely who you want to be, but you see the intention behind it. It's okay to come out of that shell first for my, for my men and for my ladies as well. It's okay to come out of that shell. If you're an introvert, it's okay to go in the shell. If you're an extrovert, it's okay to do the things that you normally would not do because you want to form new habits. So when stress comes, you won't settle back into old habits that create old cycles, that create old behavior patterns, that create old personalities, that create old personal realities. You want to create habits that are new so that when stress comes, you rely on the new habits and the new pillars that you've erected and the new foundations that you've laid and the new relationships that you built so that you can start settling into who you are to become. It's not about achieving the goal, about doing. The achieving of the goal is about becoming. Right on, brother. I oh, I love it. Nathaniel, what's what's the best way people can learn more about you, everything that you're up to? Yeah, so like you can reach me at theperspectivecoach.us on the internet, www.theperspectivecoach.us. Or you can reach me on Instagram. I have a new Instagram. My old one got hacked. So I had to start all over, which is good because I'm rebranding anyway. But it's at the real Nathaniel Brown on Instagram, at the real Nathaniel Brown. And on LinkedIn, I'm at uh, the perspective coach on LinkedIn uh, as well. You can find me on those three places. That's where I do most of my overall posting. I do a lot of more so like everyday lifestyle type stuff on Facebook, more, just on my Facebook channel. So if you looked at, I think facebook.com slash NB set the trend, you'll find me, my profile there. It's real easy to, to locate me there. Awesome. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's me in a nutshell, man. That's me in a nutshell. Cool. Well, I thanks for coming out of your hole. <laughs> thanks for yeah. sharing your life worth living and and helping helping everyone wake up to realize that they have one too. Yeah, man. Right. This isn't, this is like, oh, he's good at, but I don't, you know, we're, oh. we are all everything. Absolutely. There's no, there's you can't no see something good. And so you can't see beauty. You can't see goodness in someone else without it being in you to begin with. It has to be in you to begin with. Right. 
just like we pre- people are used to projecting negativity, we also project positivity. So Absolutely. you can't see positive unless you're capable of, of experiencing it yourself. That's what I find. Anything you project, you actually have the ability to experience within yourself. Awesome. Yeah. Well, again, thanks, Nathaniel. I look forward to your new show. I could talk to you all day, every day. Um, thanks for joining us. Thanks for everyone for listening to us. Yeah. Wherever you're discovering Real Men Feel, please subscribe, give a share, share with someone that needs to hear this episode, post a review, a comment. You can reach out to me at realmenfeel at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And now you can even directly support this show. Like Help us get to more men. Remind men that they are human, that they can feel, that they can have a life they love living, that they are worthy of that. There's a link to support the show as little as 99 cents a month just to help us reach more people. And until next time, be good to yourself. Create that life that's worth living. Create that life that you love living because you're worthy of it.